Well, good morning, church. Welcome to our neighbors. I'm glad to be together with you. Um, we are this morning, uh, the second Sunday of the brand new year, 2023. Uh, if you wrote any checks uh, this week, I'm sure you crossed those out. Um, I, I don't remember what I was working on this week, but I wrote 2022 and was like 10 steps. I was like, wait a second, I got to go back and fix it. But as we start this new year, we wanted to uh, start a, a new series also called First Things First, um, which I just stole the title of that song because I love that song and made it the title of the series. But they stole the title from Jesus. Um, if you've been around Neighborhood Church, uh, or if you haven't been around Neighborhood Church, I'll let you in on the secret. We're very, very innovative and cutting edge, and, and, our, and our philosophy um, is, is actually very simple. I can put it into two words. Copy Jesus. So whatever he did, that's probably what we're going to try to figure out how to copy. Um, and so that's uh, the title of the series, um, listening to Jesus' teaching on what to make a priority in order to live the fullest life. And this series is going to be four weeks. It's going to take us through the end of January. And so if you're new with us um, or you're skeptical or um, about Jesus or you're not really sure, you're just trying this thing on, I just encourage you, this is four weeks uh, one hour a week um, for four weeks. I just encourage you to make a commitment today to connect with all four weeks um, through, through the rest of January, whether that be in person or online. Um, just a little thing. So we just got through the Christmas season, and um, when you have, we have six children, and when you have six children, sometimes you try to be efficient and bundle some of your gifts. And so uh, we got, f- for two of our kids to share, we got them a bow and a, a set of arrows to practice archery. Now, I actually don't know anything about archery, so I was completely new to all of this, and I was blessed to find that we have a really great archery shop in Ocala um, who, were, who were kind enough to sell me, you know, a 20-pound or 30-pound recurve bow, and then they were kind enough uh, to show me how to string it after I had been shooting it backwards for a couple of days after Christmas. So, um, shout out to Buster over at the archery shop. He uh, is very gracious. Um, so we, we have been interested in our house in archery in a different kind of way over the last couple of weeks. And we were watching a movie. And my eight-year-old, he's, we're watching this movie. He says, Dad, Dad, why is it in the movies that when they're shooting arrows, nobody ever aims? They just... Like, I'm struggling because I, I now have a bow and an arrow, and I'm, like, pulling the thing back, and I'm, like, trying to figure out where it is that the thing's going to go. And I'm struggling to aim, but in the movies, they're just, like, whipping them out as fast, and they're not even looking where they're shooting, and they're hitting the target every single time. Dad, why aren't they aiming in the movies? And I said, Grant, it's a movie. They have to get the camera to, sh- to, to take a shot of a guy firing off a bunch of arrows. And it doesn't matter where they land, because then they can go and take a shot of the target that they want to hit. And just outside the camera, they can shoot it at point blank range exactly where they want it to go. Like, it's just a, 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 a feature of when you're making a movie, you don't have to be able to do the things you're pretending to do. And it brought up this, this, this idea that I think we've been wrestling with over a couple of the teaching series that we've been, that there's a tension between what, uh, what the nature of reality is, a tension between earth and heaven, and what is real and what is maybe not quite as real as we thought it was. And the thing is, we typically get like captivated by 
the story. We get captivated by the movie, and we're supposed to be drawn in, and we're supposed to go, he's an amazing archer. And not, we're not supposed to think about how he probably has never hit a target in his life. But what is real, and what, in 2023, are we going to invest our life into? So if you'll explore that question together with me, um, I'd like to begin, as is our habit, uh, to pray together the disciples' prayer. And this is the model of prayer that Jesus left for us. It's not a a magic spell or anything like that. Um, But he did say that when you pray, you should pray like this. And so we try to do that. We try to copy Jesus. That's what we do. Um, And so uh, it's helpful if we're going to pray this to use the same words. So the words are on the screen. Um, And I just invite you to pray together with me. If you'd like to pray out loud, then that's great. We'd love to have you. Um, But at the very least, let's bow our hearts together and let's begin in prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'd like to invite you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And there's some blue Bibles that are kind of tucked under the chairs in front of you. If you'd like to use those, um, it's going to be on page 1013 in the blue Bibles, 1013 in the blue Bibles, Matthew chapter 6. Or if you want to follow along in the app, uh, there's a little link there that says Matthew 6, and you can just tap on that and bring it right up for you. Matthew chapter 6, this is, um, this is something that we've kind of endeavored to do over the last year or so, is, is to spend some time, uh, some significant time wrestling with Jesus' teaching specifically. And so we focused in on these chapters in Matthew, uh, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, and have kind of visited them and dug, a, dug in real deep and then moved on and then gone and done something else and then come back to them. Uh, over the last year or so. So this uh, section, these chapters of, of Matthew are the longest recorded sermon of Jesus that we have. It covers three chapters uh, in the Bible. And it's often called, you might have heard it called the Sermon on the Mount. Um, is kind of its, its short thing because he's kind of sitting on a little mountain while he's talking. So, you know, name it after the place. Um, and we've been digging through this, and we're right in the middle of these verses. Um, but I think we'll, it's, it's a pretty easy place to do an on-ramp. So let's read together Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to begin in, uh, in verse 19. Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We'll pause there. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, Jesus is teaching and he says, uh, don't lay up treasures in, on earth, lay up treasures in heaven. And what, he, what he's doing there is there are some implicit 
assumptions about the nature of reality. Jesus assumes something about the world that maybe some of us don't assume. If you're skeptical about Jesus, um, you're coming from a different background, then maybe you're not quite bought into what Jesus is saying here, that the nature of reality is that there's earth, and then there's also heaven. There's a spiritual realm, and then there's an earthly realm, and that our investments um, laying up our treasure, storing treasure, our investments need to be in the heavenly realm and not necessarily in the earthly realm. But that implies that there's a spiritual realm that exists and matters and impacts our life and, and impacts the things that happen on earth. Um, it, it, there are some underlying questions of like, well, what happens to us when we die? Is there, is there another life? Um, is there anything that we could do on earth that's ever actually going to matter um, why are we here? And uh, that, uh, those are some big questions that we maybe don't have time uh, to wrestle all the way down to the ground, but I'd encourage you, if you're on that track, to keep pursuing and keep asking, uh, asking Jesus those questions, because he does have uh, some important answers that will be helpful to you. But there is a tension between earth and heaven. We even prayed it together this morning. Um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, in the earthly realm, as it is in heaven. Things work in the spiritual realm the way that they're supposed to, but we know, we know, we know that things don't work the way they're supposed to on earth. Our lives are difficult. Things don't work right, and the more you want something to just work, the more likely it is you're going to spend extra hours going to Lowe's three and four times to get the parts that you needed, right? Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Earth and heaven. We 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 are of the earth. We see things at earth. You know, we have a, a paycheck. We've got bills that we need to pay. Like we are concerned about earthly things. Um, but but Jesus points us and wants to draw our attention behind the scenes. He wants us to see that the movie, that the show, that the story he's telling is not all that there is. That there's something behind the scenes. That there are things that are happening that impact the things that we're trying to do. And he's saying, I would like for you, I would encourage you to invest in the production, not necessarily in the story, if that makes any sense at all. The movie is the story that we get engrossed in, but the production is what actually creates the story. The people shooting the cameras and the people who are editing the film and the special effects supervisors and the guys who are somehow making computers talk to film so that all of the computer animation can get incorporated in a, in a certain way that when our eye looks at it, we go, that's real. I've never seen aliens before, but I know that that's what they look like, right? <clears throat> but there's a tension. There's a tension between the movie and the production that my son pointed out. Why don't they ever aim when they're shooting bows? Because they don't have to to get the story across. They can, it can look like they have perfect shot every time without ever having to develop the muscles and the skill of archery. They can pretend. And our default, I think, is to focus in on the outward appearance, to look at how can I make people believe I'm good at archery without ever having to practice any archery? We invest on, on making sure that we've got a good public relations campaign and that our social media is curated so that only the happiest parts of our life get posted, but not necessarily that we're actually investing in our time with our family so that the time that we spend with them is as joyous as the one picture makes it to seem. 
There's tension between heaven and earth. There's tension between the movie and the production. There's tension between what is temporal and what is spiritual, if you want to use those big words. And I think, perhaps, Jesus' big idea uh, for the morning, or at least the way I'm going to rephrase it from him, is that investments in spiritual health are secure and guaranteed. So buy in. Investments in spiritual health are secure and guaranteed. So buy in. And Mike, uh, you're using words that Jesus didn't use. Like, what do you mean by spiritual health? Um, what is health? I don't, know, I don't know that we necessarily do a lot of thinking about the word. We know what unhealth is if we see it, and we know health if we see it. Um, but if we were to define it, health is when things function the way they were designed to function, right? Health is when things function the way they were designed to function. In our bodies, we are healthy when the parts of our bodies work the way they were designed to work. When our knees just stand up without any uh, um, pushback <laughs> or without any cries of agony. That's health. Um, mentally, things work. We have mental health when things work the way they were supposed to work. They were designed to work. Uh, financially, Financial health is when things work the way they were designed to work, when we, have, uh, when we are spending money that we have, and that when we want to buy something, we have money, enough money to cover what we want to buy. That would be financial health, simply, right? Organizational health is when things work the way they're supposed to work, right? Spiritual health is when we actually see things the way that they are meant, the, the way that they actually are, when we actually can identify the tension between earth and heaven, spiritual and temporal, and we can figure out how to navigate that and bring the two to work together. Because which one is real? Let's, let's take it out of the, the spiritual realm. If, if we go back to the movie illustration, which one is real? Is the movie real or is the production real? The production's real. But the movie's so compelling. Like, I just get drawn into that story. And like, Legolas is such a fantastic archer. Like, he never misses a shot. And did you see him bring down that Oliphant? Or whatever, I don't remember what it's called exactly, but is that it? Did I get it? All right, nerd points, yes. <clears throat> but the movie's, the movie's so compelling, but what's real is the production behind the scenes. It's the guy who can actually create the Oliphant out of a digital design and incorporate that with the film shot of how the things are falling together. And these are things that I, don't, I can't do math anyway. So to figure out the physics of that is fantastic. Which one is real? And I think our inclination is to say that only one can be real. Only one can be real. The only thing that is real is the production because they're the, the ones that are working the magic. And the story's fake. And so it's kind of worthless, right? Isn't that, don't you want to go there? Like, oh, movies are stupid. I don't ever want to watch another movie. Doesn't, aren't you leaning in that direction? No, <laughs> okay, maybe I'm not convincing enough. <clears throat> I think my default is that only one can be real, but Ephesians, uh, God says in Ephesians chapter one and verse 10 that God has a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth, that both are real, that the interaction of the two is actually the nature of reality. on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I, I grew up in a, a congregation that 
for them, heaven was always a future event. Like it was time bound and it was related to the future. Like heaven doesn't happen now, heaven happens later when you die, right? And it's not actually necessarily time bound, earth now, heaven later, um, but, it, but it is the, the function, it's the, the, uh, it's, it's the space in which and the quality in which things happen. We were, we were created, okay, if we rewind all the way back to the beginning, God made man. He formed us out of dirt. He, he, he spoke everything else into creation, but when he decided to make man, he got down, he got his fingers dirty, and he took the clay, and he fashioned the body of what a man was supposed to be. But we're not just earth, because we weren't alive until he breathed his breath into us. Our humanity, the way that, our, that we function, is both a connection between our body and our soul, our spirit, that we are an intersection between earth and heaven in a special way that the animals don't necessarily have. And that is the nature of reality. But we get so fixated on the movie, on the story, on the things of Earth. Like, those are the things that are compelling to us. We're not quite close enough to lunchtime yet for you to feel like, like this is what is real. My hunger is what is real. But when you're hungry, nothing else matters. My wife can attest that hangriness is an issue in my household. And that's the thing that we get fixated on. Is like, what is real is like, what's in front of me? And what, and, but we, we pretend like we don't actually feel the effects of what's happening in the spiritual realm, but we do. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is amongst us in Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. But if we could only see clearly the real causes of our issues, then we might come to helpful understanding. We could see clearly that, that, that tension, that relationship between the spiritual causes and the earthly effects, then maybe we won't come to understanding. Jesus says the same thing. Uh, if you'd continue in our reading in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? He says, in order to navigate life properly, we have to be able to see it how it really is. We can't go around pretending as though the spiritual stuff is just stuff that doesn't matter, that Mike talks about for way too long on Sunday morning, but that it's something that matters like on a Tuesday morning when you're running late to work and the coffee maker is not working properly and you've just spilled half-baked coffee all over your counter. We have to see clearly in order to navigate well. Have you ever been in a place uh, where you have a map of some kind? but the map is obviously meant to be more of an artistic representation than a navigational tool. Does anybody, you know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> um, so maybe you were in a mall and the, like the you are here sign and, and the things were like all cartoony. Well, you probably haven't been in a mall lately. Um, maybe it was uh, an amusement park or something like that where they were much more interested in like making you feel happy about being in the place than helping you to see how far it is to walk from here to there and which paths to take. Like, isn't that frustrating? When you're, you're going to a guide for help and the guy's like, isn't this so pretty? And you're like, I want to know how to get there. We have to see clearly if we're going to be able to navigate the world the way it was meant to be. 
He says if we don't, if our eye is, is healthy, if we can see things clearly, then life is good. Our whole body is full of light. But if we don't see clearly, then how great is the darkness? If the flashlight that we are trying to navigate the world by has dead batteries, then how are we going to get to where we're going? The world is dark. And we need help to be able to see clearly. If you had an option, if you had a choice, then the choice is before you, that you could make one really great movie. Fantastic. Best, like, that it's going to be on every list, every best of list for the rest of time. This was the best film ever made. You could make one movie that was just fantastic and your name would be associated with it forever. Or you could make, uh, invest in a movie-making company that was going to make solid movies, but was never going to get to the top of the list. Which one would we take? It's kind of like, I'm like, Half of one, uh, or half dozen of one, and, and six of the other, right? It's like this. It seems like the same thing to me. Like, maybe I just want the success. Like, wouldn't it be great to like have made a movie and your name to be up in lights and to get to walk the red carpet and everybody tell you how great you are? Until we realize like that the the media spotlight shifts real, real quick, and next week they're going to be on to the next film. And even though yours was fantastic and the best of all creation, they're moving on to something else because they got to have something new. And then every time you show up into a room for the rest of your life, you're going to be that guy or that gal that made that one movie. And for the rest of your life, your best work is behind you. And no one is ever going to let you forget it. And no matter what you make from that point on, no matter what you create, no matter what you invest your life in, people are always going to hold you to the standard of what you did before. And maybe that's not great. But if you invested into a production company... It might outlive you. You might have a legacy of really solid movies that tell really good stories and that were moving to people. Great movie, great product, great legacy, but you're probably also going to need to invest in great people who are going to help you make that happen. And they're going to learn things from you and, and, and they're going to teach you stuff. And they're going to teach other people, and they're going to go on to create things that are way outside of what your company ever thought you could possibly make, but it's going to continue, and you might not ever get the credit for those things, but that's what you poured your life into. I think sometimes, maybe in January 1st, we're so fixated on, like, what can I do now that gives me what I need now, and we're not so in concerned with the things that are going to last for a long time and outlive us. But... Investments in spiritual health are secure and guaranteed. So buy in. When we see reality as it is, we're going to make different investments. That's why he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, now... If, if, if we've been together before, you know when I start asking questions, like we're getting close to the end. But I've got another point that I want to make. So I'm going to ask some questions, and I'm going to make another point. We're not quite, not quite done yet. Um, where is our attention and our investment? 
Like if I were to ask you, like, are you investing in heaven or are you investing on earth? Where, where's your attention and where's your investment? I don't know, Mike, that's kind of a big question. How do you, how do you figure that out? I'm, what, what do you do? Um, what do, perhaps, what do our most basic habits tell us about where our treasure is? Our most basic habits. What do you do on default? What's your autopilot? What's the first thing you reach for when you first come to consciousness in the morning? And what does that tell you about where your treasure is? When, when, when the stuff hits the fan and suddenly you're put under pressure, what's the first thing that you reach for? What are your reactions? What are your defaults? And what does that tell you about where your treasure is? And as we reflect on those questions, I think we need to ask the question that Jesus is pointing us to. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. What risk of loss are we playing with? Like if, if, if your answers to those questions are like mostly earthly things, what's the risk of loss that we're, that we're playing with and gambling with in our lives? Okay, Mike, wanted to be encouraged, but we're doing this, I guess. Why does it matter? Let's, let's continue reading. Verse 24, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and so Jesus takes some of these principles and he applies them specifically to, um, specifically to money. Um, the word there doesn't, isn't the normal Greek word for money. It actually, like you probably have heard God and mammon, right? Um, that actually is a better word for us because we don't know what it, because it's not a normal word for us. And mammon is actually like an idolic representation of money. Like it's it's, you cannot serve both God and the worship of money. Not just money, but the worship of money. Because here's another feature of like our inherent reality, the way that we were created. God made us fundamentally as mirrors. Can you give me the mirror picture? My thing is not working right now. We are fundamentally mirrors. Um, the Bible will say this in other terms uh, by saying that we were created in the image of God, the image of God. We were made to represent God and to reflect him in a special way to the rest of creation. We're fractured now. We know that we're broken and we don't do a good job of always reflecting God. And, um, but nevertheless, like that's part of our fundamental nature, that whatever our attention is fixated and focused on, we begin to become that thing. We reflect that which we uh, focus on. And we can only focus on, we can only reflect one thing at a time. We were designed to reflect God. That's the way that things work when we are spiritually healthy. We reflect God. Um, but our focus, our attention, our reflection, the church, the Bible word for that would be our worship. The things that we worship, we can only do one at a time. You only have one heart. You can only give it away to one thing. That's why I love that we sang together. I put you first because I know your worth. I know your worth, and seeing your worth, I give you worship. 
So as we begin this year, as we're trying to put first things first, um, and, and the tagline is for the, the best year ever. Like I should probably say that um, when our, when our priorities, priorities line up with Jesus, he says that we'll have life to the full. But I cannot promise you riches. I cannot promise you ease. Uh, I cannot promise you stability. I cannot promise you like physical health and those kinds of blessings in the coming year. But if you will put Jesus first, then you'll have the grace and the strength to face whatever circumstances this year brings unshaken. The best year ever, not because the circumstances are good. The best year ever because I'm walking in step with the Savior who loves me. Now, that's deeper than, than positive thinking. I'm not just asking you to think about your bad circumstances differently, but walking with Jesus actually changes who you are. Investments in spiritual health are secure and guaranteed, so buy in. One more thing. I've said first things first. Our, our, our first value is that we put Jesus first. Um, and there's a temptation we have that, okay, I'm going to make a list of the things that I need to do today. First on the list is Jesus. I spent 10 minutes in my Bible. I didn't understand any of it, but I can check that off of my list. First things first. Got it. But Jesus isn't asking to be first thing on your to-do list. Jesus is asking for a relationship and putting him first means that we actually hold him up as the filter by which we make every other decision in our life. It's not just, I did time with Jesus and I'm done now, but it's everything that I'm facing today, I'm asking, Jesus, are you with me in this? How do I follow you well in this? How do I put you first in my family? How do I put you first in this class with that teacher that drives me up to the wall? She never is right. How do I put you first with traffic? How do I put you first with my HOA? How do I put you first with my neighbor? And he's not just the first on your checklist. He's the filter through which we make every other decision. And how do we make decisions through a Jesus filter? Just a couple of things to think about. First is listen to Jesus. Every time I think that I've got like faith in Christianity like down, like, I got it, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I come to these passages, Matthew's chapter, or Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and I read Jesus' words, and I realize I've got so far to go, and he's gracious to show me that. Listen to Jesus. Reset your basic habits to intersect with him. There are things in your control that you feel like are not. When I ask you, what's the first thing you reach for when you wake up in the morning... And if you identify that as an earthly thing, it, would, it is inside your control to say, I'm going to put that thing farther away and put a spiritual investment closer to me. I'm going to go to the scriptures before I pick up my phone. I'm going to kneel and acknowledge that this breath is a gift from God before I think about the 100,000 other things I need to do today. Reset your basic habits so that you intersect with him. It's not that we uh, hate God and that we want to fight with him. It's that we just get busy and forget. So set up your basic habits to intersect with him. And then another like, pro tip is if you connect with other people who are making Jesus a priority, you'll be more likely to make Jesus a priority. Like We are fundamentally communal creatures. Like We were created for community on purpose. That's another sermon. But we were created for community. And if you surround yourself with people who are prioritizing Jesus, you'll be more likely to also prioritize Jesus. Spiritual in, or investments in spiritual health 
are secure and guaranteed. My friends, buy into Jesus. Let's pray. Almighty God, um, you know our weakness and our frailty and the ways that we are so easily distracted. You know uh, our weaknesses of understanding and our inability to focus. You know that sometimes we forget about what's real and what's true and what's good. And so, Lord, I thank you for your mercy that reminds us and points us to you. There's something in us that knows that we can't do it. The New Year's resolutions are kind of a joke. That we won't even be considering it when it gets to be March. So Lord, even as we come to these, these places where we feel compelled and inspired to do something different, we know that by ourselves we cannot. That unless you are doing the work of changing our hearts, then we will fail and fail miserably. And so, Lord Jesus, we submit our lives to you. We ask that you would go with us, that you would help us to walk with you and not simply invite you to walk with us where we're going. Would you show us the way? Would you give us the faith to follow you in it? Would you give us the strength and the friends to walk together with you? It's in your name that we pray. Amen.